Man, uh, just just standing over there and uh, being in prayer this morning, I'm, I've been overwhelmed recently by the blessing of being in the presence of God. I think we take that for advantage sometimes. In the Old Testament, uh, when someone wanted to approach and be in the presence of God, they would actually tie a rope around the person and he would go behind this curtain because they were so afraid and trembling in fear of who God was and so they would tie a rope to him just in case he was struck dead. It's a holy, set-apart thing that, that I think we take advantage for and I've just been, that's been on my mind recently, just been overwhelmed by the, by the blessing that we get to experience that presence of God every single day. Um, with that being said, I'm, I'm really honored to be here. I really, uh, I feel very privileged to be here. I was joking with Jeff before the service. Uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving and the Sunday after Christmas are two of the least attended Sundays of the year. And uh, Jeff usually gives me those Sundays to preach. <laughs> but I am, I, I'm very, very excited to be here. God has given me a word um, and I'm excited to share it with you. So there's these two missionaries that I was reading about. Their names are Robert and Mary. They're missionaries from uh, a little over 100 years ago. And they went to this nation in Africa. It's this country that I can't pronounce the name, so I'm not really going to try. But it's just some, some country, small country in Africa. This was many, many years ago. And they, and they, they went there. They felt like that God was calling them there. And so they went there and they were doing work every single day. Seven days a week, they were, they were trying to get some converts, you know, tell people about Jesus, start a church there. And after 10 years, not a single convert. Not an ounce of encouragement. And so their mission board, they began to talk and discuss, uh, is this a good idea for them to stay here? Because, I mean, nothing's really happening. I mean, we're... we're we're supporting them financially. Should we really keep them there? And they responded. They said, no, 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 no. I, I really think God's going to do something here. Just, just let us stay a little longer. I, I really think God's going to come through. And so another two years goes by and nothing. Not an ounce of encouragement. The title of my message today is The Heart of Maybe Faith. It's this term that was coined by this pastor in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, by the name of Michael Todd. He's this pastor of this church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he, and he coined this term, maybe faith. And it's this idea is like, is God doing something here? Is God really working here? Is, is, is what I'm doing here the right thing? Maybe, but I'm going to have faith. It's this idea where we're not 100% sure on our circumstances. We're not 100% sure or confident maybe in what we're doing. But we have faith in the God that we serve. It's having not 100% confidence in who we are, but 100% confidence in who God is. It's maybe faith. I mean, I think us as Northside Medina have been a living example of maybe faith. For the past few months... We've been looking for a home. Oh, well, I guess go over a year for that, <laughs> for that matter. We've been looking for a home. And we don't know what God's doing or what God's going to do. And, and so we have to live by this maybe faith. Is God going to pro provide a home for us? 
maybe, but I have faith. And God responds to maybe faith. And so we're going to be in the book of Esther today, but before we jump in, I want to pray for us. Dear God, you are so good. God, we don't take this opportunity lightly to be in the presence of you and to learn about who you are. God, we ask that you speak to us. We ask that you remove me out of the way and let you do your work. God, we want to hear from you today because you're the only one who can speak into all of our lives at the same time. So God, speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. And Esther chapter 2, verses 21 through 23, it says, In those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthin and Teresh, two of the king's officials, from those who guarded the door, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Osiris. But the plot became known to Mordecai, and he told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. Now when the plot was investigated and found to be so, they were both hanged on gallows, and it was written in the book of Chronicles in the king's presence. The first thing that may be faith is, is doing the right thing even when you don't see the fruit of it. See, let me give you some background on what's happening here in this passage. See, earlier in the book of Esther, Esther had entered some sort of this beauty contest. It's like a twisted beauty contest. And she ended up winning and became the queen of Persia as a Jew, which was unheard of. And nobody knew she was a Jew, and, and she kept that secret. But she became the, the queen of Persia. And Mordecai was someone who had a good relationship with Esther. And so we happened to be in this place at the right time, overhearing these guards plotting to kill the king. And so he's like, well, that's, that's not cool. So, so he goes to Esther, someone who has a good relationship with, and Esther goes to the king and says, hey, these, these people are plotting to kill you, and they find out it's true, and he's saved. And Mordecai didn't do this for any reward. He didn't do this for any recognition. He didn't do this for any fruit. But later in the book, much later, there was, um, Mordecai was planning to be killed by this man named Haman. And he was set to die the next day. But that night, the king happened to just not be able to sleep. He was restless. And so he went and opened up the book of Chronicles and remembered of this time that Mordecai saved his life. And so instead of Mordecai dying in the street, he was being praised in the street. The next day. And so the first point is that maybe faith is doing the right thing even when you don't see the fruit of it. Let's jump ahead in Esther chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. It says, When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of only killing Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. So to set the scene a little bit here on why the Jews are in Persia, is when they left exile, a lot of the Jews went back to the, the homeland, and, but some of the Jews stayed in Persia. 
And so they were not loved, they were not appreciated, they were, they were really looked down upon. And, and so when Haman found out that Mordecai was not bowing down to him, he was enraged. And so he was like, I'm going to kill this guy. But then when he found out he was a Jew, he was like, you know what, I'm going to kill all of the Jews. Because he had so much hate built up. And so the rest of chapter 3, he basically tricks the king into making this decree to kill all of the Jews and all of Persia. But Mordecai didn't panic. You see, the second thing that maybe faith is, is it's the opposite of fear. A lot of people think that the opposite of faith is doubt, but it's not. It's fear. See, Mordecai could have panicked. He could have freaked out. He could have ended up just leaving the country and, 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 and abandoning everyone and just saying, like, this is too much. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I, I'm freaking out. But he didn't. I think some of us are panicking. There's a lot of areas in our life where we feel like we're out of control. And so we panic. I mean, just to name one, this mandate of a vaccine it's some very prevalent in a lot of people's lives. It's something where a lot of people are saying, like, like people are losing their jobs off of this mandate, right? Like they're, they're being forced to get this vaccine in some, in some areas of work, and, and so they have to leave their job, and, and a lot of people are panicking. I've heard a lot of people say, man, I'm losing my freedom. They're taking my freedom away from me, right? They, they, they've used that term. But need I remind you, church, that that no government or no institution or no person can ever take our freedom from us. Our freedom was bought with someone else's blood, and that's Jesus Christ. There is nobody in this world, there is no law or government official that can ever take our freedom because our freedom is found in Christ, and he is forever. And so need I remind you, church, that that just because of different circumstances and different things that may happen, whether you agree with the mandate or not, it doesn't matter. Whether you agree with the government or not, it doesn't matter. Just know that they're not in control. As soon as we put our identity and our faith and our freedom in this country, that's something that can be taken away. But if we put our faith and our identity and our freedom in Christ, there is no one that can take that away. And so that's what I mean by maybe faith. It's the opposite of fear. There's going to be a lot of things thrown our way and we could, we could panic and we could freak out and, and think we've lost control. Or we could say, well, maybe, maybe God will come through. I mean, I don't know how, I don't really know what's going on, but, but I have faith, maybe faith. I'm not asking for you to be 100% confident in everything. I think a lot of people have given us that wrong idea that as a Christian, you have to be 100% confident in what you're doing 100% of the time. And that's not the case. It's just maybe faith. Now, don't get me wrong. Mordecai was upset. He was very upset. In fact, he tore his clothes in Esther ch chapter 4, verse 1, and, and he, it says in, uh, he was 
crying loud and bitterly in the street. He was like in anguish. He was, he was suffering, but he never panicked and he never lost faith. And there's a significant difference. And we see that difference in Esther chapter 4, verses 14, which is the, probably the most famous verse in all of Esther. And it says, for if, I, for if you remain silent at this time, he's talking to Esther right now, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your family's, you and your father's family will perish, and who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. You see, he says, for if if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. What Mordecai is telling Esther is that you need to go approach the king without permission, which is life-threatening, and, and, and tell the king that you're a Jew so that he'll save the Jews. Because the king loved Esther. And if, and if he found out Esther was a Jew, he, he, would, he would get rid of this decree. And so, and, and so Mordecai's trying to convince her, like, you gotta go and approach him so he can get rid of this. But it's so important that he says here, but if you remain silent, if you don't do anything, relief and deliverance will still come. That's so powerful. He says, even if you don't do it, I don't know how God's going to save us. I don't know what he's going to do, but it will come because I know who my God is. So we can be confident in whatever circumstance that we're in. I don't know how God will deliver us. I don't know how God can heal me. I don't know what God can do to to heal my relationships, to to heal my, my, my circumstances. But I know that God can because I know who my God is. And so the third thing about maybe faith is that it's not always going to look the same. I think a lot of times when, when we see a breakthrough or a miracle, we think, okay, what did I do to make that miracle happen? I just need to do that again, right? Like, oh, I need to fast for two days. I need to pray before each meal. Then I need to go to church on Sunday and I'll have a breakthrough because that's what worked last time. Or sometimes we think, okay, I'm going to go to church. They need to sing three songs. They need to do communion. They need to do a message and then another song. And then then that's church. And we pin God to this formula. And Mordecai could have easily done that here. He said, okay, this is the only way this is going to work. This is the only way I can see. I'm going to talk to Esther. She's going to talk to the king. He's going to deliver the Jews. And then we're good. And if God does it any other way, then, then it just can't happen. It has to be this way. I mean, honestly, if, if, if you guys came into this building one time and we decided, you know what, for this full hour, we are going to pray together. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray together as a church. And then we're going to go home. I, I'm willing to bet that if you guys went home and saw your relatives and they asked you, how was church today? You would probably say something like, oh, it wasn't really church today. And you'd be wrong. <laughs> Because what God can do through different circumstances is incredible. And so maybe faith will not always look the same. It will be different in different circumstances. Which leads me to my last point. Is that maybe faith is uncomfortable and confusing. (laughs) Alright, that's it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's uncomfortable and confusing. Here's how I know that. 
Because faith starts when understanding ends. If we understand everything there is about a situation, if we understand everything that, that how it's all going to work out, then there's no faith there. That's uncomfortable. That's confusing. And I'm willing to challenge some of you that if you're sitting in your life and you're very comfortable with where you're at in life, then there might be an area in your life that God is calling you out deeper into faith. If we're super content and comfortable with how we're living, you know, we go to church on the occasional Sunday as long as, you know, Ohio State didn't lose the day before or as long as Thanksgiving wasn't that week or as long as, you know, like I, I have enough energy, you know. And, and, and if we just live this comfortable life and we have no actual stances of faith, then we're not living by maybe faith. And so there might be an area where God is calling you out deeper. So you just have a little bit of maybe faith. Like it might work out, it might but you have faith in, in me. Like I've heard so many times people say, oh, I just, I can't speak in public. Like there's no way I could, I could teach a lesson or anything like that. There's no way. Let me encourage you that, that I was born with kind of a stutter. And when I get tired, it really comes out. <laughs> I was also born with 50% hearing loss in both of my ears. I was supposed to be completely deaf and completely blind by the time I was in high school. I'm willing to bet that the doctors didn't see me as being someone who spoke on stage. My reading level is like at a ninth grade level. It's terrible. I'm willing to bet my teachers didn't look at me and say, you know what, that's someone who's going to be on stage. I say this as like as, as kind of a joke, but like it's 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 real. When I get up here, God takes over. It's not really me. And thank goodness. I've heard so many times people say, Oh, I'm just too tired to serve. Like, you know, it's just when I serve every week, I get really tired. It's just ugh. I've heard that so many times. Need I remind you that nowhere in all of Scripture does it say, if you're too tired, go, just, you know, just don't do anything. It's fine. Now, I get it. You should rest. You should have a Sabbath. But when it comes to the role of the church, too many times we come here to get fed instead of to serve. And the church was never meant for that. It's kind of like on Christmas when we're taught Christmas is all about giving. It's not about getting. That's exactly what the church is. I've heard so many times, oh, I just can't afford to tithe right now. I just can't afford it. You know, it's not in my budget. I've heard so many times, what will they think if I do this? What will they think if I do that? Well, what are they going to say? I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what, what, what's going to happen. I don't know where the situation's going to lead. That's fine, maybe. But God asks you to have faith in that. Because faith is uncomfortable and confusing. And so I challenge you, if you're really comfortable and you understand what's going on, then maybe there's an area in your life where God wants you to step out in faith. We were never called to live comfortable lives. Look at anyone who's ever in the Bible. They didn't live very comfortably. 
That was, but, but this idea in America is we're constantly fed, hey, do what's best for you, uh, then, you know, you can treat everyone else good. Do what's best for you. Treat yourself, you know. I mean, we just came off Black Friday, the biggest consumer day of the year. And so I challenge you. And maybe faith is uncomfortable and it's confusing. I shared a story at the beginning of those two missionaries. After 12 long years, not an ounce of encouragement, not a single convert, and they were about to pack their bags. But the wife, she said, before we leave, let's just try one last thing. She decided to buy a communion set with the last bit of money they had. She said, let's just buy a communion set. I think God will, like, put this to use. The day after the communion set arrived, they had six converts, and they started the first ever church in that nation. For 12 years, there was not an ounce of encouragement. There was not a single convert to make known with the work that they were doing. They were probably very discouraged and very overwhelmed, saying, where are you, God? What are you doing? But all it took was a little bit of maybe faith. If I just buy some communion, I mean, maybe, maybe God, maybe he could do something. And as soon as they do a, an act of faith, God responds instantly. It's not a coincidence. I mentioned it before, but we as a church in Northside Medina have been living by maybe faith. We don't know where our next home is going to be. We don't know where we're going to end up. But we have confidence in the God that is taking care of us. I think we can all agree on that. And God has blessed us with a home that we can move into next year. <laughs> that was a response to an act of maybe faith. You can ask Jeff. It wasn't the most comfortable it wasn't the most clear. <laughs> it was uncomfortable and confusing trying to find that place. But God responds to maybe faith. He doesn't ask us to be 100% confident in our circumstances. He asks us to be 100% confident in who he is. When Mordecai was speaking to Esther, he wasn't saying, you know what, you're the only one who can deliver the, these Jews. You're the only one who can do this. He didn't say that. But I think a lot of us, we read this book and we think that that's how it happened. Because something interesting about Esther is that it's the only book in the Bible that does not mention the name of God a single time. It has a lot of controversy because of that. Number one, because it's named after a woman. Number two, because it's the only book of the Bible that does not mention God a single time. And so a lot of people read this book and think that God's not in there. I've heard that. I've heard, oh yeah, God's not in Esther. And I think, man, you must think God's not in your life either. Because all the other books of the Bible, right, it's, it's God this, God that, God this, and every other line, right, it seems like, and all the other books of the Bible. And so we go into our life and we expect God to be plastered on the walls as soon as he does something. When he does something big, we ex expect him to be plastered on the wall. But Esther teaches us that God can do amazing things, that God can change circumstances without even being named. That no matter what we feel, no matter what we see, no matter what we do, God is still working. And we can be confident in that. 
It wasn't coincidence that Mordecai happened to hear these two guards out by the gate plotting to kill the king. It wasn't coincidence that the king couldn't sleep the night before Mordecai was set to be killed. It wasn't coincidence that Esther won this this twisted beauty contest to become the queen of Persia. It wasn't coincidence that when she approached the king without permission, he didn't kill her, but he granted her what they wanted. In fact, when, when she approached the king, he couldn't just take back the decree. And so what he had to do was he had to make a new decree saying the Jews could defend themselves. And they were like, okay, I mean, that's not much help. I mean, <laughs> But near the end of the book, the, the Jews conquered. They won. And it doesn't say God delivered them, but God did. That wasn't coincidence. I mean, just picture the book of Exodus, and you just re- remove the name of God from it, right? Okay, Moses goes up to the Red Sea. He lifts his staff. The wind direction changes, and they walk through, and then the wind happens to just coincidentally stop, and, and it crashes back on the Egyptians, killing them all, right? If you remove the name of God from any book of the Bible, it just looks like coincidence after coincidence after coincidence. But coincidences don't exist. They don't. Just like luck or jinxing, none of that exists. Because we think that it does. We think it's such a coincidence that these things happen, but it's because God's not plastered over the wall sometimes. And so we think God's not here and God's not in it. And so all God is asking for is an ounce of maybe faith. Like, is God really here? Is God really working? Is God really doing something? Maybe, but I have faith. That's all God is asking for is an ounce of maybe faith. And so I want to encourage you. I think us being part of Northside Medina, it can be really uncomfortable sometimes. We've been moving from place to place a lot. But God's asking for maybe faith. And when you give him maybe faith, he responds every single time. The reason I brought up the book of Esther today is because it didn't mention the name of God. Because in my life recently, it doesn't seem like God is super prevalent sometimes. Because he's not plastered all over the walls. Sometimes you have to look for him. And so, as a church, I have one challenge for you guys. I want you to think of one person that you know who doesn't know Jesus. It could be someone that goes to church every week but that just doesn't know Jesus. I want you to think of one person in your life. Maybe it's someone you talked to yesterday. Maybe it's someone you haven't talked to in 10 years. But I want you to think of one person that doesn't know Jesus. And then what I want you to do with that is I want you to take out your phone. You can, right now. And I want you to text yourself the name of that person. The name of a person in your life that does not know Jesus. Then what I want from that is that every single night, you go down on your knees and you pray for that person. I shared this story once before, but there's this man named D.L. Moody. 
And he wrote out a list of 100 people who didn't know Jesus at one point in his life that he knew. Throughout his life, every single night, he prayed for these 100 people. And by the end of his life, 96 of them came to know Christ. On his deathbed, the final four came to know Christ. Because God responds to maybe faith. And so I encourage us, us as a church to pray for that one person every single night. Because doing it every night is an act of faith. You're saying, God, I can't do this, but you can. God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how these circumstances are going to lay out, but you can do this. That's an act of faith. And if you just do it once and you walk away, that's not an act of faith. It's doing it every single night. And saying, God, I, I know that you're the only one that can do this, so God, please do it. And our ultimate goal here as Christians is to bring people with us to heaven. So as a church, if we can collectively each pray for one individual every single night, we're going to make heaven a lot more crowded. I promise you, I'm not even a little bit doubtful of that. Because he responds every time to maybe faith. Pray with me. Dear God, you are so good. And God, even though sometimes we are not so good, you, you still love us and you saved us. And you've forgiven us of all of our sins. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the privilege of being in your presence here today. God, whatever circumstances, whatever things we're going through right now, God, I ask that, that we can have an ounce of maybe faith, that, that maybe you're there. God, I also want to pray for every individual that popped into these people's heads. Someone who doesn't know Christ. That, that we want them to experience the joy and the love that we get to experience every day. God, give us an ounce of maybe faith like, like Mordecai had. God, we thank you for who you are. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.